A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Rochelle Travers, and this is The Leader. New Year, same rail strikes. Well, we're out on strike again this morning in pursuit of the settlement. The government and the companies have not put any fresh proposals to us. They know what needs to be done to move towards a settlement, how to work through the problems and get to some documentation that we could all support. But that's not happened so far. The two sides need to hammer out a deal on uh, reforming some of the outdated working practices in the industry, for example, to make sure we have a proper seven-day railway operation. And there's a fair and reasonable pay offer on the table and a guarantee of no compulsory redundancies um, for a reasonable period. I think that's a very fair and reasonable offer that people listening to this at home will think is comparable to what they may well be getting in their workplace. Mick Lynch, General Secretary of the Rail, Maritime and Transport Union, speaking on the picket line outside London's Euston Station there, followed by the UK's Transport Secretary Mark Harper on BBC Breakfast. 16 million journeys could be affected by what is expected to be the worst week of rail disruption for 30 years. About 40,000 members of the RMT working for Network Rail and 14 train operators are staging a 48-hour walkout, with another to follow on Friday, while drivers in the Aslov Union will strike on Thursday. This follows a bleak December for travel, with many feeling the knock-on effects of the continued industrial action. Ross Lydell is the Evening Standard's City Hall Editor and Transport Editor. This is day one of essentially five solid days of disruption. It will even kick into Sunday, so you're looking at almost five and a half days, and it's a pretty miserable situation. Not only are people faced with the prospect of returning to their offices for the first time since before Christmas, but many will find their journey impossible to make because there are simply no trains across the country. It's estimated that half of the National Rail Network has actually been closed and only about 20% of trains are running. Obviously, it varies between uh, different operators, but we know, for example, some of the biggest lines in London in terms of commuter lines, these are the sort of the, what are called the Govia lines, the Thameslink lines, and also the southeastern and southwestern train lines. And for example, southwestern is saying some of its routes are entirely shut and a limited service on others. As an example of the disruption caused by the strike, Network Rail said, well, at Euston, normally there are 17 trains an hour 
departing the station. Today and tomorrow, there will only be four trains an hour. And on Thursday, when as left, their drivers go on strike and the disruption will actually be even worse than it is under an RMT strike. There will be no Avanti West Coast trains and no London North Western Railway trains leaving Euston at all for the entire day. And similarly, there'll be no Thameslink trains, no Great Northern trains and no Southern trains. So on Thursday, it's going to be even worse. If you think it's bad today or think it's going to be bad tomorrow, probably double that. And, you know, you might see the odd train today you'll be lucky to see a single train on Thursday. Ross, which TfL services are affected by the strikes? So the two that are affected are the Elizabeth Line and the London Overground. There's also a slight impact on the tube as well. Bits of the tube track that are shared with network rail, such as the top end of the Bakerloo Line, sort of beyond Queen's Park. There were no tubes running there earlier. The Elizabeth Line has recovered slightly. Initially this morning, it had no services on its sort of two eastern and western branches. That is between Paddington and over to Heathrow and Reading and at the other side of town between Liverpool Street and Shenfield and sort of far Essex. Now, what's happened since is that they have been able to start running services there, but there are major delays. So there are there are some trains running on the two branches on the, of the Elizabeth Line. In the central section, which is sort of largely the tunnelled section between Abbey Wood and Paddington trains are running normally but anybody hoping to go essentially beyond central London on the Elizabeth line will find it very difficult today. On the London Overground there are a number of suspensions of the line on the sort of edges of their network for example over at the edge of Barking but again like the southeastern trains and the southwestern railway trains the London Overground will pretty much grind to a halt around six o'clock half past six tonight and again tomorrow morning the first trains won't be until after half past seven so just like today and then again on Friday and Saturday. Let's go to the ads. Stay there to hear more from Ross Lydell on whether or not things will ever get back to normal on the rails. Whilst you're here, why not give us a rate and follow? A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. Ross, the two main figureheads behind this dispute, Mick Lynch and Mark Harper, have both been doing the media rounds. What have they been saying? Well, essentially, both of them are saying that they want to strike a deal. Um, Mark Harper, who's the reasonably new 
Transport Secretary. He came in a couple of months ago when Rishi Sunak became Prime Minister. And one of his first things that he did was actually invite Mick Lynch into the Department for Transport for a face-to-face chat which was something that Grant Sharps, one of his predecessors, didn't do. So he tried to adopt a more conciliatory approach. However, Mark Harper made clear from the very outset that he was not interested in getting into the the weeds of any deal or sort of the fine details. And that was for the employers, namely Network Rail and the Rail Delivery Group, which negotiates on behalf of the 14 train companies to do the negotiations. So Mark Harper was willing to listen to Mick Lynch, but not willing to actually strike a deal himself. Mick Lynch has been quite conciliatory as well. He's basically saying that he doesn't think they're too far apart and he hopes a deal can be struck. However, especially from Mark Harper's point of view, he's been saying largely the same thing for the last month or so. And it's actually, if we look at the detail here, it's not since the 15th of December that the union was able to meet with Mark Harper's junior minister, Hugh Merriman. So there actually haven't been many face-to-face talks. There are ongoing talks between the network rail and the RMT on almost daily basis. And Mick Lynch said almost like, you know, slightly tongue in cheek that because Mark Harper's stance this morning was, well, we can't do any talks because that lot are too busy standing on the picket line for the rest of the week. And then Mick Lynch said, well, that's just nonsense. You know, I can be at his office by 10 o'clock if you want. I'll pop round, uh, just invite me and I'll be there. So they're willing to talk. Certainly the unions are willing to talk. But the reality is, obviously, that Mark Harper doesn't have a deal himself to offer on the table. The other important thing to remember is essentially this dispute has become divided into two. Essentially, you have a dispute between the RMT and Network Rail, which is the organisation that runs the railways in the sense it runs the track in some of the big stations such as Waterloo and Euston. And you have also the RMT and also ASLEF, which is the train drivers union, are in dispute with these 14 train operating companies over pay and conditions. And it seems that the the two sides are closer between the RMT and Network Rail. They're closer to a deal there, but there's been no prospect of a deal with the train companies. And that's largely because the RMT accused the government of essentially hijacking the any possible deal at the last minute a couple of weeks ago when it essentially raised the prospect of what are known as driver-only trains, which essentially are trains that only have a driver on board and not a guard as well. We know that Mick Lynch and the RMT has a mandate for further action, which could mean more strikes. Do you think that the end is in sight or should we expect more of the same? Well, yes, the RMT did reballot its members back in November. Uh, by law, uh, any sort of strike ballot only lasts for six months. If members vote yes in favour of strike, then they can go ahead and essentially walk out for up to six months. They don't they can they can choose their dates. What he said today is that while they have a second mandate, so essentially they have the power, the legal power to continue striking until May this year. They haven't actually announced any more dates beyond Saturday, which is when their second forty eight hour walkout comes to an end. So there is some hope there. If they did actually go ahead and announce dates, there would still be a sort of two-week lag because they have to give at least two weeks' notice between announcing a strike date and actually coming into play. So we're looking, hopefully, like there may not be anything until the end of January at the earliest now. So that'll be something of a breather. It would give the parties all a chance to get back round the table and talk. The other issue that he's got to bear in mind, of, of course, is that while sort of about two-thirds of RMT members who voted back in December on whether or not to sort of accept the deal that Network Rail offered. Two thirds voted against accepting it and essentially continuing the strike. The number 
voting against it in real numbers is going down and basically it's getting closer. And what Network Rail said today is there's only about 2,000 votes in the balance here. And essentially, if 2,000 members of the RMT who voted no back in December, if they changed their mind and said, yes, we will take this new deal that's on offer, then the numbers will sort of turn on their head and essentially the strike would be over because more would be in favour of accepting the pay rise that's being offered than those who are refusing to accept it just now. And this is something that McLynch has got to bear in mind because as the numbers get closer and closer, he'll come under increasing pressure to actually strike a deal because each time his members are on strike, they don't get paid. And very few of them get any funds from the union to essentially cover their living costs for the day. The the union only has a hardship fund. Some other unions do essentially pay their members to go on strike, but the RMT is not like that. it from the leader this podcast is back tomorrow at 4 p.m hi i'm lawrence delalio host of the evening standard rugby podcast brought to you in partnership with qbe business insurance the show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.